0: Okay, good evening, fellow... Oh, um, Serafina. Um, Seraf- where is she? Where is she? Oh.
1: Oh, my. The rocket has landed!
0: Oh, oh my goodness. So she, she brought the rocket in. Oh, bring it a little bit more in view. Which one did you bring in? Yeah, sorry. Got a little split oh! screen there. Can you oh. see it? I can see the shadow. I know this you is, can see uh, it. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There's there's the beauty. <laughs> Taylor's wow. like
1: do not break my rocket.
0: Uh, oh, that's his rocket.
1: This is this is Taylor's rocket. I have absconded with his rocket.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so happy that you brought that with us. So, let's try that again now that um so we in, in time. I am here with Seraphina Nance. Uh, She is a PhD student of astrophysics at UC Berkeley, uh, and she studies cosmology, and she uses, more specifically, supernovas to tell us about cosmology, right?
1: Yes, supernova and cosmology, that's
0: right. Okay, right on. And you're also an avid child at heart playing with rockets on your free time, or no?
1: Yes, this is correct, (laughs) and I have no shame showing it to everyone.
0: Okay, right on. So uh, even though uh, you are somebody who really needs no introduction, uh, why don't you go ahead and give one to us?
1: Sure, Um, so my name is Serafina. I am a third year PhD student at UC Berkeley studying supernova. Um, I specifically look at core collapse supernova, so really massive stars that explode. Um, I like to try to figure out what types of stars explode and what happens right before explosion as well as trying to use supernova for cosmology purposes. So measuring the rate of the expansion of the universe by um, using supernova. So I talk about that a lot on social media. Wow. And I talk about women's health a lot on social media as well. So. Mm. What uh, kind of
0: women's health? I know, but you know, for the people. Yeah, the yeah, area, yeah,
1: No. Um. so I have the BRCA2 genetic mutation which puts me at increased risk of breast and ovarian cancer. Um, so to mitigate that risk, um, my risk of breast cancer was 87%. Um, so I just had a preventative double mastectomy to mitigate that risk, which puts me down to less than something like 5%. Um, yeah, which is really amazing. And, um, I'll have my ovaries out in about 10 years or so. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a lot. Just but, losing um,
0: all the lady parts.
1: <laughs> I know, but I am, I am still me, which is the yes, important thing. I
0: love it. No, that's great. Um,
1: yeah, so I really love talking about genetic counseling and advocating for um, increased awareness and women's health.
0: Wow, that is amazing. So you get another round of applause here. Um, <laughs>
1: Thanks. Yeah,
0: she can't hear the sound effects. One of my guests can hear the sound effects. And it's a it's a very wonderful uh, power trip to have. I on my end. really
1: appreciate that. Thanks, Dylan.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and so you said earlier um, that you use supernovas to kind of tell us about the early universe. Um, what kind of things can we learn about the early universe from supernovas, I guess?
1: Yeah. Um, mm. so technically we're using supernova to try to understand the Hubble constant, which is mm. the rate of the expansion of the universe. Um, wow. so while it does tell us a little bit about the early universe in that, you know, the more distant things you look at the, the earlier in time you were seeing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, really what it's telling us more is the evolution and specifically the fate of the universe. Mm. Um Interesting. So we can learn things like earlier. the geometry yeah. of the universe. Yeah, that's right, exactly. So rather than looking back in time, I mean we mm-hmm. are looking back in time yeah. when we see we're trying to understand um looking forward in time and what's going to happen.
0: Wow. And you, and to do that, there's a nice kind of yin and yang there, you know, it's like, oh, to see what's going to happen, we must see what has happened, what has been.
1: That's right. <laughs> We're closet philosophers as well. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, and so, so, yeah, so go ahead.
1: Um, well, all I was going to say is specifically for supernova, um, dark energy, which is the stuff that pushes, um, galaxies apart and accelerates the expansion. Mm -hmm. Um, That was actually discovered using supernova. Um, But it was discovered using a specific type of supernova. Yeah. Um, So thermonuclear supernova or type 1A supernova is basically um, the explosions of white dwarf and a massive star, or white dwarf and a white dwarf, basically some binary combination.
0: And is that because and, like, they're like the standard candle kind of thing? That's right. Okay. Yes, exactly. So back. that's the
1: special. <laughs> yeah, 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 nailed it. <laughs> so that's a special thing about thermonuclear supernova is that they're standard candles. And I am actually using core collapse are different. They're massive stars that do not have a standard luminosity mm. to try to um, constrain the Hubble constant as well.
0: Oh, wow. I see. So the idea is that not everything's a perfect standard candle, but if we know a lot about it, then we kind of know what luminosity to expect. That's right.
1: So we can do some sort of calibration um, on specific supernova and various galaxies scattered across the universe to try to extract um, their... Respective velocities that they move away from us with. Mm. And from those, uh, basically, velocities, you can infer an acceleration.
0: Wow. You get a sound effect. I wasn't just being silent.
2: Oh, okay. I was <laughs> like, man, I must be
1: really
0: boring. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. So um, for those who aren't familiar with the format here, Physics After Hours. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm here. I'm Dylan Berger, at Inertial Observer on Twitter. I'm here with special guest Serafina Nance. She is at Star Stricken, capital S, capital F on Twitter, right? And you started a YouTube channel. Go ahead, plug that.
1: Yes, I did. Um, my Serafina Nance SF. I couldn't figure out how to. <laughs> anyway, yes, that is my handle. Um, I think I'm one of your followers. I don't know. What yeah, yeah I featured.
0: Yeah, you're one of my featured uh, <laughs> uh, channels.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I have some videos up. I do drunk science once a week. Um, so kind of following in Dylan's footsteps. <laughs> and that will be tomorrow at 6pm PDT. And I'm also starting just kind of my own videos. So I just yeah. put out a video on how stargaze like an astronomer
0: and they're really and good like we'll they're have- really good videos <laughs> like, thanks yeah i mean yeah, I, was no, like, oh, I was like oh like seven minutes i could I, I could pay attention that long you know <laughs> Right.
1: That's like yeah. a good, i think that's a good length i and it was like the most Perfect. i could memorize at one time so i was like all right oh, this you, is all there is." like
0: a script wow
1: yeah well because i don't know how to read and look at the camera at the same time i just couldn't figure it out oh
0: wow okay awesome so awesome um So yeah, go ahead, give her um, her previous videos a like, give her a subscribe, because she's going to be coming out with that heat real soon. And she already has, you know, preheated the oven. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Yeah, I know. Being a host is hard, guys. Give me a break. Um, (laughs) um, So yeah, and so what I was going to say a bit before there is that um, everybody watching is encouraged to ask questions um, to either me or Serafina. Um, But I do solo Q&As, kind of, so, you know, try to, you know, move them towards her. Um, But we already do have a couple questions here. Uh, One from Kyle Cavasares. He says, question, if we're allowed to ask roughly, well, very apropos, you are very allowed to ask, roughly, (laughs) up to what distances... Um, and he's telling you what units to report in, in megaparsecs or supernova. Yeah,
1: I'm do megaparsecs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let's say roughly what distances are supernova, um, like, uh, of good use, uh, in terms of what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So specifically, and I'm going to have to answer in redshift because that's Please kind do. of the distance measurement that we, I use. We um, leave the
0: conversion as an exercise to the reader.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, unit conversions you guys are welcome to do it um so looking at and we're a flat closed universe that's kind of what we're thinking um Mm -hmm. we're looking at supernova in host galaxies within 0.2 to 0.4 redshift so they're far away but in terms of sort of looking at the universe they're fairly close um there are, I know, to give you some perspective on that number, um, some of my friends who study the earliest galaxies in the universe look at redshifts of six. So mm. 0.2 to 0.4 is, you know, pretty it's close.
0: A, it's like down the street, no? <laughs> yeah, <kidding>. exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. So fair enough. So the answer to the question is about 0.2, redshift.
1: Yeah, more or less.
0: Awesome, awesome. Okay, so we have another question here from David Barardo. He says, and I completely forgot this. He said, so I hear you're writing a book, Serafina.
1: Oh, my God. Yes, I'm trying to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I am writing a narrative nonfiction book, um, sort of outlining the um, beginning to end of an, a massive star exploding. Oh, so. Cool. To, to death and um, sort of weaving in my own personal life and narrative um, mm, mm. alongside that story.
0: Had you ever thought about um, kind of fictionalizing the life and death of a star? Because I feel like that that has so much like power of like allegory and things like that. Like the big star lives fast and dies young, and all those things.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some liberties being taken. I think oh, in I this see, book. I see. Um, and there is, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how I want to yeah. format it. I mean, it's very early. But um, what I'm thinking right now, and I'm curious to hear what everybody thinks, is basically talking about the science and then talking about the personal kind of analog mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in part. So, you know, I have a chapter on pulsations and how that mirrors my life. Um, so it's wow. actually kind of cool because I'm starting to think about my dissertation and writing my thesis, and I'm actually able to learn by writing this book because i'm writing about yeah. these massive star pulsations right before they explode and i'm like oh cool i'm actually wow. studying at the same time so that that's that's neat
0: wow yeah that is really cool because i mean you know not many physics uh, physics phd students could balance writing a book and their phd thesis that's like two books
1: yeah no it's we'll see how it goes but it's fun so far it's nice to have our project that's like kind of separate
0: yeah wow that's really awesome uh and congratulations on that um thank you thank you i'm excited absolutely absolutely okay so um we have another question here from matthew gochan uh he says condensed matter physicist uh whose knowledge of astrophysics this is him whose knowledge of astrophysics is so bad I needed to Google how to spell supernovae. That's the plural. I noticed that you say supernova. Just you just like do away with all the. Con- you just say the context will tell you if it's plural. <laughs>
1: yeah, I try to enunciate, but I don't think I do a very good job. So yes.
0: So as a Latin minor, I can tell you the correct pronunciation is i supernovae. It's classical Latin.
1: Really?
0: Yes. Few people go-
1: that. I'm,
0: I'm not saying they do. I mean, a lot of people say supernovae. <laughs> I mean. No, no, no. Sure, yes. At best, you know, that could like be ecclesiastical or something, but no, it's it's I supernovae. Um Interesting. Yeah, so but you know, I I don't wanna be that guy, you know? Yeah, and- <laughs>
1: I think you would get kicked out of a supernova meeting if you were like actually
0: <laughs> I was a Latin minor. Yeah. No. The- <laughs> uh- <laughs> It'd be like I'll, I'll turn big you big. into we'll a super
1: that very well.
0: Yeah, no, they wouldn't. Okay. So anyway, sorry, Matthew. Um he says um, I had to Google how to spell supernovae, which we just justified as okay. Um, He says, are supernovae, I'm going to say that, explosions constricted by momentum conservation? Like, are they, like, does momentum conservation, I think what he's asking, still hold for supernovae? Like, if you have, like, maybe it'd be easier to say, like, if you have a radius, can you say that, well, this stuff can't go any. Yeah you know but I mean, yes yeah okay
1: definitely um once you start talking about the core you have slightly different physics involved because you start talking about degeneracies exactly, right so exactly um, wow but yeah absolutely there's there's momentum conservation and actually that's a really interesting segue um when i so i studied beetlejuice um and i uh, beetlejuice beetlejuice oh we yes. said it three times. <laughs> oh, you me. All right, cool. uh, so um, one of the things that we sort of discovered in studying Betelgeuse is that it is rotating much more quickly than we would have expected mm. and so um, it's observed angular momentum is 15 or it's observed velocity is 15 kilometers per second which um, we think is actually due to swallowing a a nearby star early on in its evolution which basically sped it up um so while that's not momentum conservation it's right. angular momentum conservation uh right. which you know mm. related so um yeah i mean there's definitely absolutely momentum conservation and, wow. and um angular momentum conservation yeah
0: right on right on okay so uh here's a nice uh softball question alawa uh says hello dylan and serafina how are you two doing tonight
1: Oh, I'm doing great. I have a beer. (laughs) I have my rocket.
0: I'm on physics after hours. We can edit that in.
1: (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) great. Yeah. Dylan, how are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm doing well. Um, I got. uh, I have my PhD advancement here coming up soon uh, in less than a month, and so you know, I. Oh, and you know, a paper came out today that I uh, that I posted about on Twitter. So that is enough to lift my spirits. Um,
1: yeah congratulations (laughs) you need your own round of applause for that that's awesome oh should
0: i give myself a round of applause okay fine i did it okay (laughs) fair enough okay uh but yeah no i'm doing well tonight's a tonight's a beautiful night good weather outside and so yeah um okay so let's
1: shout out congratulations on berkeley he just got accepted to the astronomy program at berkeley oh that's jacob palawa yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: congratulations. We'll give him a round of applause also.
2: Yeah!
0: Wow. Andy got an Owen Wilson wow. Man, wonderful. Great. That's so great. Congratulations on that. Um, <clears throat> okay, so people are converting Megaparsecs, uh, uh, converting uh, Redshift to Megaparsecs here for us. Uh, so thank you, Matthew Gochan, for doing that. Um, okay, so let's see what else we have. Yes, um, Kevin Amora is saying, uh, is this one of those live videos where they don't read my comments? Um, that's a contradiction because I just read it in your face. Um, okay. But now I'm not going to read them. I'm just going down. All right. So we have another question here by Kyle Caboceres. Uh He says, I know that type one and type two supernova, actually, let me strip that. Okay. Let's get basic. What is the difference between a type one and type two? I'll come back to your question, Kyle. I promise.
1: Okay, so type one supernova are, um, and it it actually gets a little bit confusing because people think of type 1a supernova as binaries, which is correct. And then people think of type 2 supernova as core collapse supernova, Mm -hmm. which is also correct.
0: And so by binary supernova, you mean two stars that are in like binary orbit.
1: Exactly, exactly. So one either accretes matter if there's a massive star and, let's say, a white dwarf. the the massive star accretes matter from the white dwarf ignites the explosion or vice versa um so there's a lot of different sort of uh ways to blow up stars in a binary system
2: I see.
1: Uh, however there are also type 1b and 1c supernova Uh and those are core collapse supernova but they do not have hydrogen so the difference between type 1 and type 2 is that type two has hydrogen type one does not
0: Mm. so okay let me see if i got this right okay so the type one a supernova is when you have a binary uh system going bump in the night or whatever you have but you see something bright but the type and and a lot of people distinguish a type one and type two supernova between one being core collapse one being not but that's not quite right because type 1b and 1c are both core collapse but they don't have hydrogen and That's correct. Oh yes, I feel- I'm giving myself a round of applause for that one. Oh, yeah. No.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's confusing and a lot of a lot of astronomers don't <clears throat> even know the difference. Um, oh, so wow. it's yeah. Man. That's a good question. Wow.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, now let's continue with Kyle's question. He says, uh, "I know that Type One and Type Two supernova are distinguished by their spectrum, which is to say, one has hydrogen, one does not." Um, Correct. And as in uh, the types of elements, we. Okay. heat. Yeah. Uh, but is there an energetic difference between them? That is, uh, is one explosion more massive, more bright? Maybe you know.
1: I mean, so uh, rat. Six 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 um made the qualification that ultra strip supernova and electron capture supernova provide smaller kicks. Um sure, but overall no. I mean, if you look at a light curve, you wow. are not specifically looking at differences in magnitude between exactly. type one and type two. You really need a spectrum to be able to tell, unless it's particularly mm-hmm. funky like the ones um right. stated in this chat. But are uh, exceptions absolutely, but overall, you need a right. spectrum um, or distinguishing features of the light curve. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily just the magnitude.
0: I see. Okay, so fair enough. So me trying to internalize that is that um, when somebody says type whatever supernova, that really doesn't mean anything about like the brightness of it. I mean, like in like yes, when people say type one A, like you said, there's a standard candle, this that, but I mean That's right. in I guess in the context of distinguishing between type one and type two, you we're not saying anything it's about hydrogen magnitude. or no hydrogen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're
1: we're really talking about whether it has the spectrum, basically.
0: Right on. Okay. So Pres uh, Kennedy says, "Serafina, I have in bold face zero intuition uh, when it comes oh God. <laughs> when it comes to redshift <laughs> uh, beyond uh, red by blue. It's coming right at me." Um, yeah. In the context of your work, could you give us an idea of the range of z? Oh, but you you, you said the range of Z. Yeah, values you have, right? so
1: really, I mean, if we're talking about the observable universe, you can get up to redshift a thousand. I mean, Z can get really, really, really big. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when we're studying redshift, we're really talking about zero to six to maybe eight. If we're, I mean, that's that's hard. Um, and I don't do that type of science. Fair enough. I'm really looking at, at point. In the in the tens. Wow.
0: So let's try to give maybe like a intuition pump. So redshift zero is like my hand in front of my face. That's right. And um, do you have an intuition for the difference between that and redshift one, like? or no is it Or are they just kind of a no, bunch of numbers i, I
1: don't you know? i mean someone made the conversion to megaparsecs, which is, uh, is helpful.
0: Yeah, i'm not cool mega you just multiply by yeah. three kind of for light years right
1: yeah right exactly <laughs> that's right exactly yeah so you know if you say of order a thousand megaparsecs, you know how many light years that is and oh, you can yeah, get some oh. sort of guesstimate but again it's tough
0: yeah fair enough okay um and it all, Yeah, okay, let's see. So, yes, Kyle. Okay, so people are talking. So, again, people are encouraged to ask questions. Um, and it says, I don't know if you're asking them to me or to Kyle here. Um, he looked into black hole kicks. What's a kick?
1: So, um, some supernova, sort of hypervelocity supernova, um, can get a kick by some... Uh, explosion nearby or potentially an accretion nearby that ex- ex- exerts enough of a energetic kick to hmm. make this thing zoom super fast through space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't looked at that, but there are certainly people who wow. do that specifically in the context of wow. white dwarfs. So there are these hypervelocity white dwarfs that speed through the universe at really fast speeds.
0: Okay. Wow. I did not know about that. Um, so here's a fun question that I just think it would be fun to put our brains on for a second. Just says, with no apologies, he just says, when separating an Oreo cookie, uh, uh, <laughs> why does the cream stick to just one side only? It sounds dumb, but I want to listen to your kind of intuitive answers. Uh, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my original guess, personally, is that... Uh, perhaps the way it was resting for so long in a certain way you know i mean like yeah you see it on the shelves they're all stacked up nicely i mean it it seems like there's a lot of variables but maybe like when it was getting you know transported it was like vertical this way and But so, not
1: surely not all of them are like that
0: no not all and then and so maybe that accounts for the variance in which which side it's stuck to like like in yeah. one packet oh oh you mean like not all of them in one package yeah, mm-hmm. and so and so I, I think you have kind of second-order effects maybe of like which side you're looking at. And then like maybe when you twist it, you push it a little bit to try and get it perfect. I need to do an experiment. This honestly sounds like a great experiment. I would love yeah, to do I this.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with this. Yes,
0: man. Great question. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to put that back here. Okay, so a question from Archimedes. The Archimedes from Ancient Greece. Um, uh, he said... I had another Eureka after finally discovering the theory of everything. <laughs> How excited are you all? So this is referring, I believe, to Stephen Wolfram.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, Dylan, you go first.
0: <laughs> okay, and Andrew Dodson's in the chat. What's up, homie? Um, He was on here last night. What's up, Andrew? Yeah, uh, he's and he says uh, in SpongeBob, thoughts on yeah. Wolfram? Uh, come on now. I mean, I... It's it's just not clear what's being said. It doesn't seem new, and it just seems completely ad hoc, personally. I mean, it doesn't you know, that's all I'm gonna say on it tonight. Like maybe I'll start to think deeply about it once enough people who you know, if you wanna know what I think about Wolfram Wolfram, look at Mr. Nomer. Okay. Just like just like follow Mr. Nomer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think you were one of the first people to actually tweet about it. Yeah, and I it was like, Oh god.
0: I was, yeah. You heard it here first. Physics after hours with inertial observer and Sarah and Nance. Thank you for joining us tonight. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, he says, okay. The real question, though, uh, is, and this is Jacob Alawa. Uh, you can only keep the entirety of knowledge in either particle physics or cosmology. Make your case. Oh, jeez. That's Jacob. No, he's doing it.
1: <laughs> I mean cosmology is nothing without particle physics like how on earth are you supposed to yeah yeah cosmology is like large-scale particle physics
0: yeah i mean my, my paper that came out today was essentially early cosmological qcd confinement i mean like it's about like quantum field theory and how do we know how things happen and i mean that's our best kind of shot at it and so i mean i would say that it is a uh it is a question that is uh ill-formed because in a lot of ways (laughs) like cosmology is you know a subfield not of particle physics but of um because you need general relativity too um but of this idea of field theory and quantum field theory and particle physicists you know they use field theory quantum field theory all the time um and it accounts for a lot of the stuff we know like inflation things like that uh the inflaton and uh man we are killing it tonight because we just exhausted those questions we are down at the bottom i'll drink to that wait so
1: yeah cheers to that um i want your paper
0: oh what was that i'm sorry you broke up for just a second
1: sorry i was too busy drinking my beer
0: um doing more i want to hear
1: yeah exactly um i want to hear more about your paper oh wow okay
0: um yeah so so for those of you who don't know um I had a paper who came out uh, today with um, Shada uh, Ipek, uh, Timothy Tate, and um, Michael Waterbury. Michael Waterbury has actually been on this podcast before. Um, and it's about the idea that QCD, which is the strong force, uh, can kind of uh, confine early uh, in the early universe. And so what does that mean? So what does confinement mean? Things like that. Is that. So we have a proton, right? We have neutrons. And if you ask, you know, some smart kid in high school, you'd be like, or maybe, you know, college, be like you would, you know, if I was an undergrad, you'd be like, oh, what's inside of a, you know, a proton? It's, you know, I'd be like, oh, a little two up quarks and a down quark, you know, but uh, of course, when you learn more about particle physics, you realize that that's actually a bit of a lie. Because inside of a, a proton or any kind of thing, like uh, other things like mesons. Like a pion, things like other things, they're just like easier to deal with, but they're the same fundamental ideas, like a proton, neutron, things like that. It's a composite thing of quarks. Um, What happens is that these quarks act in this way that when you try to pull them apart, it becomes more energetically favorable to create particle-antiparticle pairs instead of just keep going apart. That's just how it happened. You know, the universe happens to be. But what that means is that the like the way that we know that kind of is that um was what that means is that the the strength of the force like the charge if you will so like electric charge that that means it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger the further you pull them apart like the actual charge changes um wow yeah um and and that's actually true and regular electromagnetism too um it just happens the other way is when you bring them closer and closer together you have this thing and that's like the idea of like running couplings renormalization things like that is that's what it's told us and it's actually true um and it's amazing uh, but but instead of you know but but quantum chromodynamics has this feature that it's the other way when you pull them a bit further apart um they want to snap back together in a way like in a, in a certain sense and but really what's happening is the coupling is diverges uh, the coupling diverges and us being physicists everything is a perturbation expansion and so what that means is our perturbation expansion is really no good anymore and so we have to oh
1: interesting yeah
0: exactly and so that's called confinement and but really what happens is they want to kind of come back together but when they do like so for instance again the proton these two up quarks and a down quark if you take the masses of two up quarks and a down quark that we measure and then you say well okay is that the mass of the proton the answer is no it's not and so something's got to give, and the thing is, is you have this kind of multiplicative factor called the confinement scale. Um, that it corrects for it. It's like it's right. Like they're definitely relevant, and it like tells mm-hmm. us about other quantum numbers like spin and things like that. But, um, is, but the idea is that you need a whole new theory. You can't just talk about quarks and gluons. And if you take anything home from me, spieling here, it's that a Not only is a proton not made up of two up quarks and a down quark, it's not even clear what a quark even means at those scales inside of them. But the reason we say that is because the quantum numbers are the same.
2: Oh.
0: Yeah. And so we really just don't know what's going on inside of there because there's no real way to calculate Mm. it. Because what happens when you try to see a quark out like in the middle of nowhere, you won't. It'll create antiparticle pairs and turn into a different meson, like a pion or something. And the pion will decay into like photons and stuff. You just can't do it. It's like it, it's literally like the ref, the refrigerator light on the universe is like the <laughs> it's like the corks. Is like, once you try to kind of look at this? Wow. Yeah, I'm serious. I mean, it's truly really like that. Is that like as soon as, because you know the uncertainty principle essentially says that you have a energy, uh, you know, times a distance has got to be some constant right and this sounds weird um but you know it's fundamental fact of quantum mechanics and then so you say well okay what happens at low energies right that means the uh that means that essentially low energies correspond to long distances right and short distances correspond to long energies and so that's what's happening is that you'd say well why does it care about how far i pull it apart but it's really about the energy scale is that you know Mm -hmm. at smaller energies like like at smaller energies which corresponds to longer distances, then everything kind of blows up. And so that's the problem of kind of confinement that's going on. I know I ranted on here a little bit long, but I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful fact. We don't understand it at all because like I said, when like the standard model talks about quarks um, as fundamental degrees of freedom, which we know exist, but, but below a certain energy scale, this quote unquote confinement scale, we have to write down a different theory. A completely different quantum field theory that's in terms of protons, wow. neutrons, pions, gluons, and then that and that's great theory. But you come something called fudge factor that we have to measure. And so wow, yeah. so
1: is that what you did? Was that sort of oh no, no 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 <laughs> no no?
0: <laughs> that's uh that's like just like the idea of like confinement. So if QCD PK confines, yeah, and so the idea is that we don't understand it well, and so. Okay. But we know that certain temp, like that, when the early, like the early universe was super hot. The standard cosmology says that uh, when the temperature got uh, went above this uh, confinement scale, uh, then, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, fell below, like because it was originally hot, and so when it fell below this confinement scale, then um, that's when the the qcd say crossover phase transition happened and before there was this quarks and gluons called the quark gluon plasma but now there's you know you got cakes of uh of pions neutrons things like that yeah
1: that's really interesting i i I was literally just reading about um sort of early universe physics yesterday and i was like i do not understand these phase transitions at all exactly
0: and that is all quantum field theory and i mean it's temperature um So you have, uh, like what I was just saying was there was uh, um, described was called either the QCD phase transition, but before then, right, or at at higher uh, uh, energies, you you have something called the electroweak phase transition, which is essentially when the Higgs started to actually give mass to things. And once Mm -hmm. it crossed through this other temperature, got below that, oh, well, then quarks had mass. And then you get other things, but but not until about i believe a temperature of like uh so what was our the like about 0.1 GeV is when you actually got protons neutrons and i believe the term for that is big bang nucleosynthesis because yeah. what, what's amazing is that all of this happened within like a second and so but yeah. but you give us that first second then particle physics yeah. tells you everything else and you're good <laughs>
1: that's fascinating yeah that's so cool
0: yeah and so what we did in our paper was said well what if that actually happened that problem of confinement happened earlier in the universe and didn't just happen at that one point because we actually don't understand like like our our cosmology becomes fuzzy at temperatures above 10 mev and so really anything could have happened so we said well okay what happens if dark matter existed i mean because yeah, I
1: saw something about WIMPs and the Exactly and in so, the abstract.
0: And so and, and so presumably dark matter existed this entire time, right? And so that means that, and let's say, well, okay, maybe it actually interacted with quarks. Like maybe it does. Um, and then at a certain uh and, and so essentially what would that look like if QCD confined at 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 higher temperatures once and then kind of deconfined and then gave us back. To the standard picture and hmm. what happens is that if dark matter is kind of talking to it in that way then um it turns out you can completely get the correct relic density with wimps like wimp candidates that have been ruled out under the assumption of qcd not confining early in the universe. oh wow yeah.
1: interesting <laughs> that's neat
0: yeah and so that's a
1: cool conclusion yeah
0: it's really really cool Okay, sorry. I know I ranted on there for a little
1: bit. Oh, that's great.
0: Okay, that'll be the last time surfing and Nance asked me a question about uh <laughs> Okay, so we have a lot of lot of really cool uh questions here. So uh Pres Candidate on Man, I have to go back into host mode. Whew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just full nerd. <laughs> it's right.
2: good. good. point
0: <laughs> Okay, so Pres Candidate on Oreos. Okay, no, uh we're not gonna hear your spiel on Oreos, sorry President. Um um okay so he says oreos everybody wants to talk about oreos okay here's what we're going to do for just a few seconds okay because i need to recuperate i need to find myself again we're going to take a quick couple minute break all right and we'll be right back okay so stay with us okay we are back thank you all for joining us at physics after hours i am here with Serafina nance astrophysics phd extraordinaire at uc berkeley and also author in the making um (laughs) one thing i do want to say is that if you've enjoyed this video um please give us a thumbs up please uh subscribe Um, And also subscribe to Serafina Nance's new YouTube channel. She's going to be coming out with some really, really great stuff. She already has come come out with her some really, really fun stuff um, with uh, her drunk science uh, kind of. uh, It's
2: a good time.
0: Yeah, it's a good time. It looks like a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to get this kicked off um, and start with a question here from Christopher Booth. Says Serafina, how is learning Russian going?
1: <laughs> uh it's going. Uh I have a two-day streak right now on Duolingo, which is really hey. exciting. Um I know a few yeah, Russian no, words. You what you do you really?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh Angelina, uh you know, you met her. She was Russian. She's from Egypt. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Anastasia. Yes. No, no, No,
0: no, no. Angelina, the my girl, like the
1: Oh, my bad. Yeah,
0: yes. No. no, they're both Russian, though. Fair enough. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, she uh, she told me a bunch uh, of Russian.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. She is fluent? Oh, yeah.
0: Cool. Yab- That's
1: super cool. Yablka. What does that mean? Apple. <laughs> oh, I just learned that word.
0: Come on Damn now. it. Come on now.
1: I, I know. Man, damn. I did know that one. Ananas. I don't know that
0: one. Um, Pineapple.
1: Oh, that's really specific. Banana. Banana. Yep. Oh, hell
0: yeah. (laughs) Okay.
1: Dogmates coming through.
0: Yeah, we're fluent at Russian here at Physics After Hours. We we speak everything. I love it. I'm ready to go on the station. I'm ready to go on. So, yeah, how's that going for you? Um, and she's asking if you're practicing with the native speakers also, I think she's asking.
1: I am not. And I wish I was, um,
0: Anastasia yeah, right down I, the street.
1: I know, I know, I know. I need to call her up, but, um, it's, so I'm half Egyptian. And because of that, I know a little bit of Arabic. And so I have some experience learning languages, mm. a language that has a completely different alphabet, mm. um, mm. which is actually helpful. Um, it's not the first time my brain is trying to understand what that is. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, it's fun. Um, I'm, I'm on the intense level of Duolingo.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> I
1: know. I know. I'm flexing hard right now. Um- <laughs> <laughs> and so for those who may not
0: know, um, you're learning uh, Russian because you want to go to outer space.
1: That's right. Yeah. 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 I'm applying to be an astronaut. Um, So, yeah, it's suggested that you learn Russian before you apply or kind of undergoing the training. So, you know, the more I know, the better.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, definitely want to boost that resume. I love it. Okay, so let's see. Moving on here. Okay, everybody's obsessed with this Oreo question. I hope that we can just relax on the Oreos here. Um, I'll be doing (laughs) I will be doing a special on that, but it'll be a video and it's a real experiment and Serafina will. You know, because we want large N, we'll, we're going to eat as much Oreos That's as we can.
1: This is correct. Exactly. We need Oreo to sponsor us just like Pringles did. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: We have a big Oreo in the background just rotating.
1: Oh <laughs> Do you have the, the what is it called? Like double stack?
0: Oh, I ate the double stack. The one that they gave me. The mega stack. You hate them? No, no. I ate them.
1: Oh, I was like, what?
0: Yeah, no, they ate, they, they sent me like three mega stack, four mega stacks. Um, oh, and my God. I ate them like in like I think the first two weeks. Um,
1: <laughs> that's great,
0: but I mean, whatever. I still have the um, I still have the I saved one as a souvenir that I didn't open. They sent me um, the the uh, the Pringles, they're uh, pickle rick flavored.
1: Oh, that's great. You need to move it towards the camera. Well, I guess I can't see, right? Yeah, but yes, that's good. Sarah, Wait, they're pickle flavor,
0: yeah. They're not very good, Uh, but don't tell Pringles I said that. Everything else they sent me was really great.
1: (laughs) You know what they need to do now is change their branding or at least add a version that has the curvature of the universe on it. Oh. Wow. Marketing uh, genius.
0: I would buy that Pringle and I would eat that Pringle. Me too. You eat the universe. Actually, so for those of you who may not know, is that's what? So Pythagoras had this thing. The Pythagoras of the Pythagorean theorem, not the rapper. The Pythagoras um, <laughs> of Pythagorean theorem.
1: Thanks he, for clarifying. He
0: he did not eat beans and he did not pee towards the sun. Um, what? Exactly. He
1: cite your sources. Uh,
0: I mean, I, I have, uh, I mean, so I learned this from the actual like Pythagorean documents from like, I learned in my ancient philosophy courses, like, like we have a big like actual Pythagorean giving,
1: giving explanation. Yeah. So,
0: so he believed, I, I, I can't remember the peeing towards the sun one, but <clears throat> he believed that, um, that, uh, that, that the universe was, sh- uh, in the shape of a bean. Like he believed for some reason, I can't recall why. Um, or if, it's known why, but he believed that the universe was shaped like a bean. And so he said, don't eat beans. Like he was very passionate about not eating beans because he thought that was the shape of the universe. You'd be disrespecting the universe if you ate beans.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. Do you eat beans?
0: No, because you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Perfect.
0: yep okay <laughs> <laughs> okay let's moving on so um oh did we even answer that question uh was there a question or i just totally hijacked that one okay um anyways so i apologize if i hijacked your question uh so moving down he says what was the most recent thing you learned this is a question from chunk master flex it's a good question
2: Hmm. billion
0: (laughs) that pythagoras didn't pee towards the sun
1: (laughs) yeah uh i'm trying to think of something i learned in astronomy that blew my mind um i mean do you have something off the top of your head physics wise
0: uh well, the paper probably I just wrote, your QCD stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Blew my the, mind. I don't know. That's you, kind of a cop out, but
0: yeah. No, I mean, you, no, I mean that's fine because I can just say like my paper also like you know because you have to run the numbers to see oh if it can kind of save wimps or not and that blew my mind. So yeah.
1: Uh, Everyone, go read Dylan's paper. That's that's the conclusion.
0: Yeah, that's right. You heard it here first. Physics after hours. <laughs> um, okay, so. Um, From CTJ, asking, any opinions, or I guess maybe thoughts, on astrobiology and astrochemistry, especially on how to study them? I don't know much about astrobiology or astrochemistry. I
1: I do know that a lot of astrobiology folks have a focus on ethics as well, so the ethics of space exploration and sort of the language used around colonizing space, um, which I think is really fascinating and absolutely worth talking about, um, but I am not an expert by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, astrochem, So it's it's interesting because a lot of people who wow. do astrobiology or astrochemistry are in specific programs who have mm-hmm. a focus on that and not every program offers. Um, mm, yeah, no, definitely ha- not, yeah. That. Uh, so I don't know enough about it, um, but there are definitely, I mean, I can write the handles of of some people on Twitter who do it. Yeah, that'd be um, great.
0: yeah for sure and if you can yeah. like just come back here put it in the comments on youtube if you remember uh and then just yeah yeah just go ahead and comment on this and I can put them in the in the description and all that good stuff okay so um so this is interesting I don't know if this question got asked before uh, Matt Henderson knew you're an author but uh, uh he said if you were to write a book what would you write it about um so since I guess you know mine yeah. is I actually kind of wrote like a Man, I just think this is, like, such a cool idea. And I re- like, I've i been writing this thing for, like, so long now. Um, but it's just, like, more like a monologue thing. So the idea is that... Oh, I'm going to sound like such a cuckoo. Um,
1: <laughs> Let's hear it.
0: Oh, my goodness. You heard it here first. Physics after hours. Um, <laughs> okay, let me take a sip of my tequila. Sip
1: tequila. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> so... I just thought it was always neat that like, you know, the people who found or, or I guess strove to find like deep inner peace, um, uh, you know, salt, like the mountains of Tibet and like self-isolation, things like that. And the thoughts or emptiness uh, of that, that kind of came to them were um, were seen as this, you know, like the realizations you have of like life, yourself, what it even means to exist, you know, that you can only really act, access through this first person experience um, uh, I always found that fascinating that people always kind of went out to nature like tried to absolve themselves of everything that made them human to begin with you know like not eating and you know I mean not like starving yourself but just sure. eating like you know in the same way that a flower turns towards the sun like just as a pure fact of sustenance um, and you know the idea that That's great oh, great analogy yeah, and so um, I thought that that was such a fascinating thing. And so I had this idea of like, well, okay, well, if if we had the capabilities, you know, of a monastery or of just to completely be, say, in like the space suspended, you know, the darkest space suspended between the Andromeda and the Milky Way, say, for instance, um, what kind of insights would we have? And sometimes I sit and I really try to get that headspace and the thoughts that come out are the book.
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: <laughs> right on. Okay, thanks. It's
1: like the meditations of Dylan Berger. Yeah,
0: that that's literally what it is. I mean, like, because to get in that uh, space yes. No, I mean it really is. I mean, because to get in that hood yeah. space, like it really is like you have to in some sense for applying the word meditate and really try to envision yourself being in like what does that emptiness even look like? Right. You know, and I mean I like And Uh, being
1: comfortable in that space, which is,
0: which is a challenge. And that's part of the thing is that, is is that kind of the book is like, literally, it's like, I don't even really bother with too much of the background. It's just, it's just really just about like, I'm here. I'm in this suspension and, you know, I'm knowledgeable. Like I kind of, I mean, but whatever, this is, this is my reality. And like (laughs) the first line of it is like, Hardly, th- you know, it was like, what was it? It's like hardly anything is even moving, if at all, and that's amazing, you know, because like you, we we take motion for granted, you know, that things yeah. can go before us and move. But if we're just observing things in the distance, this and that, like hardly anything even flickers because there's no atmospheric right. perturbations, and so, I mean, it, it's really, you know, it, it. I don't know. It's just a really, really fun experience, uh, experience for me personally to just get in that headspace,
1: actively recording your thoughts as you are in that headspace
0: yeah so I and
1: are you writing them yeah I, I, I guess yeah
0: yeah so I essentially just like sit and I try to get in that kind of space and just and uh literally like you know I mean all the lights off except for a little one and like I'm just there and like for you know for for a little bit of time I'm actually there And uh, that's just kind of what comes out. (laughs) I don't know.
2: That's really neat. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think one of the things I struggle with if I try to journal is I have an issue with um, if I'm writing down the same thing that I'm Mm, thinking, mm. I am consciously aware that Mm, I'm writing and mm. that interferes with my thoughts.
0: Yeah, no, you're like you're totally like that was. Yeah. How do I mean? The thing, I I guess, like for me, like the way that I deal with that, but I totally know what you're saying, is that like I just get, it's all like I guess maybe that's why it's kind of meditation. It's like you just get lost, like like you get so deep in it, like you are so when you're writing, like you like you're actually (laughs) there. Um, and it's just really cool. It's just yeah, I mean, like you know the people who like get deep into meditation and like they're actually just inside themselves and. You know right. the, hu- the human mind is a crazy place to explore, man. Um, yeah, and I don't smoke weed, by the way. Kids, don't smoke weed. I was gonna like, say, just... you
1: gotta come to Berkeley before you
0: say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so I don't think either of us are uh, experts on information theory, but I think this is a cool kind of intuitive thing to ex- like just throw our ideas at and says um, from Archimedes asking is the amount of information in the universe finite. No. You don't think so. Uh
1: no, no, I said oh, not oh.
0: no. Uh, <laughs> I mean to me I know like,
1: that was such a tease.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean so let's clarify our definitions. Are we talking about the universe or the observable universe?
0: I mean, one could only imagine the observable universe. I think we should be fair there and say the observable. All right,
1: so talking about the observable universe then yes i, yeah. I think it is finite.
0: i agree with you 100 i definitely yeah. it's a big number whatever units you use but unless you're measuring in units of information of the observable universe but <laughs> i mean you know yeah, right exactly it, yeah for like bits things like that it's finite but big i think um yeah. so let's see um here's a fun kind of softball question i like this uh is clear a color lol
1: (laughs) i mean so what is a color right so let's talk about how light works
0: (laughs) (laughs) let's run through that i like that
1: um so right light hits an object and the colors that you see are um what is absorbed by the object right
0: I think it's the opposite. So someone I of always them are forget, absorbed. is it reflected
1: yeah. or absorbed? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So you have certain things that are absorbed more and then whatever's left over is what you get. It, yeah.
1: yeah, right, exactly. Um so I, I don't know. Clear is it's not white and it's not perfect black. It is translucent. Yeah. Which is
0: Essentially as if nothing's there. It? Yeah. So I think I, I think yeah, no, I think that's a good edge to take is that Let's just take the limit of what clear really means. Clear of the clearest of clear is empty space. Empty yeah. space is not a color. It's the absence yeah. of color. Maybe you could call it black. But yeah. uh, I love kind of ill-formed questions like that. No, me too. I <laughs> yeah, it's
1: fun to think about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so here's another one from uh, Ethan uh, Alic- uh, Alicon. Uh, he says, uh, what are your guys' favorite sci-fi movies?
1: 2001 A Space Odyssey, hands down, the best space movie of all time.
0: Oh my goodness. Wow. I'm going to have to go with Contact. I love Contact.
1: Yeah, Contact is great. Also, Primer is a fantastic sci fi movie.
0: Oh, really? I've never seen that one.
1: It's so good. It's a super low budget film about. I can't. If I tell you what it's about, I will spoil it.
0: Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough.
1: Uh, Seriously, Dylan, when we're done with this, you should go watch it. It's (laughs) so good.
0: Wow. Okay. You heard it here first. Uh, physics after hours. Um, watch primer. It's a low budget sci-fi film and I'm here with Serafina Nance and we are talking about whatever comes up. Um, so we have a question for Serafina, uh, from Prez Kennedy. He says, do you guys get to dip your toes into engineering as a part of your work? For example, Uh, working on perhaps designing and maybe even assembling you know like instruments and things like that or no
1: i have not done any instrumentation that said i did spend a summer at an observatory where i got to learn a little bit about it that's cool um sort of how they assemble um like how they treat the the mirrors for a large-scale telescope or How they assemble the spectrometer onto the end of a telescope so things like that which are cool but i haven't personally done um like hands-on work with that
0: Mm, yeah no me yeah i'm i no not me no (laughs) they won't even let me in the lab
1: yeah honestly yes same
0: (laughs) okay perfect um here's a fun question so me being a philosophy undergrad really like this question and So before I ask it, I'm going to explain this thing called qualia. Um, <laughs> and uh, the this thing called qualia is this idea of, uh, that we acquire in, like, philosophy of mind. Um, and it doesn't really need explaining. It's just that any conscious observer could kind of know what we meant by qualia. Um, and actually, hold on. Um, I'm getting a call, and it is important. We're living in trying times. So we're <laughs> going to take a quick commercial break. Okay. <laughs> back we're living in trying times indeed but that was a false alarm um so uh this idea of qualia uh is this idea of like what it's likeness to experience um so the greenness of green for instance would be like a qualia say um but could you ever tell a computer what the greenness of green is like You
1: know, right?
0: Yeah. So presumably right when you look, I mean, I haven't thought about this in so long, but I'll do my best. And I apologize to the philosophers who are here, if there are any who stayed tuned for this long. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) The idea of being like, right, uh, I, I think probably the easiest way to explain this is in the words of like the philosopher David Chalmers, who said, well, okay, why even have experience at all? Like, for instance, right? Imagine a world, you know, like it's completely logical to imagine a world where you and I are having this exact conversation and, you know, we're saying these things, you know, we're talking about great physics. Uh, and, but yet neither of us has an actual experience of it in a way. But yet we're responding like we are because, in some sense, we're just automata responding to our uh, input. Right. So, I mean, like if I like, for instance, like you think like a lower kind of animal, right? If I if I say, you know, shine light on an ant, maybe it'll go a different direction because it doesn't want to overheat or something like that. Right. But is it really experiencing that? Is it really kind of having the experience of feeling being hot or
1: having some sort of conscious conscious response?
0: Yeah, not necessarily response, but the idea that, I mean, I hate to use this term, but it's called like the Cartesian theater, is that, you know, you have this kind of background, right, in that art, like we're viewing this world kind of, right, is that, uh, like, not only is this person saying that there's green, but they're actually having, they're having an experience of green.
1: Got it. Okay. So
0: that distinction right there would be the qualia of green when you actually experience the greenness of green. And so um, the question here, um, we had, if I can find it again, he says, do you think qualia um, can be symbolically represented while still retaining its subjective meaning? This is a heavy question, and I'm actually kind of proud of myself for, like, knowing what the question meant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are all words that I did not know. Great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, like... If I had to kind of shoot this, you know, like off the hip, I mean, I think the answer to this question is extremely non-trivial because we've got people thinking about it still to this day. And they've been thinking about it since Descartes, you know, I mean, like, and even before Descartes. But I mean, in this kind of formulation of a logical system, and it's just, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, most of the things that we've been thinking about since Descartes, we figure out. You know, like, (laughs) like, I mean, like analytic geometry, all these crazy things. But then, like, you know, you get to quality of consciousness, isness, and it's like, whoa. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we're in the same place we were then.
1: Yeah.
0: Um,
1: The essence of things.
0: Exactly. Yeah, sure. Have you seen
1: Zoolander? The essence of water is wetness or something? Oh,
0: yes. I forgot that. (laughs) I've seen Zoolander a million times. It's when he's the merman, right? yeah <laughs> he's like the essence of water of wetness the essence yeah. of wetness is water it's life oh it's oh, life uh, no i don't, remember. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great stuff man i love zoolander it's one of the best movies i put it in the top it's 10 great, of all time yeah. yeah yeah wow <laughs> okay so we have uh unjit um he says antimatter black hole and regular matter black hole collides who wins?
1: I mean, I don't know.
0: Yeah, the photons win, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to explain that a little bit?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, we're probably going to give like a 10 to 15 minute kind of warning here. I mean, like, Saravina's got to, you know, get drunk tomorrow night on Drunk Science. And so I don't want to get her to out of her mind here thank you hours. I
1: appreciate that <laughs>
0: <laughs> as she opens her uh, nalgene of water
1: <laughs> I know I'm like gotta hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. <laughs> I
0: love it okay Um. yeah so I mean the idea about antimatter macad- you know so if you have a forget black holes right just say you have a an electron but you also have the cameras over here <laughs> Right? It has a certain mass and it has a certain charge, which we call negative. But you have another thing here that has the exact same properties as it. Spin, anything you can numerate except for the charge. It has a different sign. It's positive. And there's two ways I feel like you could ever measure whether or not these have different signs. One of them is if they attract or repel. And the other one is should they come in contact? They either annihilate and turn into a bright, you know, photon or a bright, (laughs) a a bright fucking flamboyant photon. I don't know. Like, and then, and then you, uh, or they just shoot apart from one another really, really fast. Um, and in some sense, like, I do feel like that's what we define. Like, I feel like that, like, that is the definition of antiparticle. It's like that thing that makes all things being equal them attract. So who would win? I'd say they both lose. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is yes. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a fun the only question. answer.
0: Yeah. It's like both people die. Who wins? I what? <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, let's see. So we have Pufferfish X saying Plato's Cave allegory. Yeah, you no, know, Plato's a pretty wild guy. And he was uh he was stuck in a cave and but we're all in a cave right now. This is quarantine, these are trying times, so we ask that you please bear with us if our jokes are not up to So par. dark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um I mean you know, tonight has been a wonderful night, and if my jokes have not been great, I promise you they'll be better once I'm out of quarantine. They probably won't be. But, you know, y'all you will believe it until then.
2: I haven't seen the sun
0: in 10 days.
1: <laughs> I don't know why I just laughed so hard at that. But yes. Yeah. Well, I needed
0: that kind of laugh. <laughs> I don't have a laugh track installed here yet.
1: No. You're welcome. Glad to provide.
0: <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yes. Okay. So, um, let's see. So, okay. Peak luminosity, things like that. These are very long questions. If you really want to get your question answered, don't make it so long, to be honest, because I can't, like, I've got to decide whether or not it's something (laughs) I'm going to put on. Do I want to
1: read this? Yes or no?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay. And also, don't ask your questions in all caps. And please don't have your username be Fidel Castro. Um, (laughs) If you're going to do one or the other, maybe, (laughs) like, come on now
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a lot at once
0: yeah exactly you know that's a lot to take I mean because it's like Fidel Castro just everything in caps you know he's like down with the system I don't know but yeah okay so the questions have run dry so it's time for the true after hours after hours I'm going to take a sip of my drink Serafina we're just kicking back we have our 5 to 10 minute warning here for those of you are Physics After Hours, we thank you for joining us. I have a Patreon if you have a dollar in your pocket or maybe four. It's up to you.
1: Cheers, dude. Yeah,
0: I'll cheers to that. We experience silence here. We don't feel the need to talk, except I just did. We ask that you please meditate with us. Om. Oh, fuck it. Why not again? Oh, (laughs) these are trying. These are trying times. We ask that you please bear with us. Can you hear me, by the way, or am I just speaking right into the mic? Because I'm like getting real close to this thing.
1: Oh, I can absolutely hear you.
0: So, Fidel Castro says he has something else in his pocket for me, Mr. Berger, but he did not say this in all caps. So, to which I respond, bring it on. Is, it a sp- is that a, a
1: donation to the Patreon? Yeah, I was about to
0: say, is that a donation to a Patreon or a Cuban cigar? Because I'll take both, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, um, okay, I see a question about uh, Type 1A supernova, and I just quickly, you can look at the tail What of is the, the question? Do you her? want me to
0: read it, or do you want to read the yeah. question?
1: Yeah. Uh, So what are, um, this is from Prez Canobie, Uh Uh, what other distinctive characteristics besides a well-known and stable peak luminosity, which we talked about in terms of the standard candle, Hmm. help astronomers identify type 1a supernova?
2: I see. Um,
1: And there's a characteristic decline. um, So it rises and then it falls. And the tail of that decline is due to the decay of nickel to cobalt. And, um, there's a very well, it's very easily modeled, um, wow. by that decay. Uh, if you can fit that, uh, decay, oh. then it's likely a type one, a supernova.
0: And so do you use like the spectra to kind of, to fit that right?
2: Or...
1: No. So that's, uh, I mean, so we have, uh, synthetic and, or model light curves that have that same decay. Um, in other words, it's formed by the decay from nickel to cobalt. Mm. However, you can see it in the light curve by that tail so it's a photometric effect yeah
0: photometric what does that mean that means like light oh i see i should spectra is
1: elements yeah yeah yeah.
0: photometric i'm gonna say like oh like i'm gonna say to my girlfriend be like hey like you want to take a photometric instance here
2: There you go. (laughs) I bet she'll love it. (laughs) Yeah, of course
0: she will. Who wouldn't? Come on now. (laughs) So Pufferfish Pufferfish X uh, says, lol, y'all are awesome. Hey, thanks Pufferfish. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much Pufferfish. Okay, here's a cool one. Uh, By Noah it says, uh, hardest class you've ever taken in grad school?
1: High energy astrophysics. Hmm. one of my favorite classes but it was very hard
0: yeah um yeah fair enough you knew right off the bat um i in grad school like i was kind of checked out but i do have a hardest graduate class i took because like like i so when i came into grad school i took my quals because i when i was at cern the summer before. I started for my calls. I was like, I'm getting these out of the way. Like literally, before I even took a class at UCI, I was like, just I'm just gonna kill this thing. Let's do it. And um, I passed that. And so I was kind of like, just checked that's out. awesome. Oh like, yeah, I was like, just totally checked out for the classes. But I will say that the hardest class I ever took was m- the graduate course I took as undergrad in quantum mechanics. Um, yeah. But, but like you were saying, it was the Uh, most enjoyable class I'd ever taken. I mean, like, the professor, his name was uh, Nikolik Nikchov, whatever. Predrag was his last (laughs) name. (laughs) Um, And, like, he was so arrogant, but he was so funny, and he knew it. Like, but he was, like, just such a pleasure to listen to lecture because he would, like, come in and be like, oh, yes. (laughs) You all did okay on this exam. like. and was nothing impressed, but uh but like you know but he offered just enough feedback to where you'd be like oh like i want that kind of feedback again like you'd be like like be like oh yes necessity is the mother of the-. He said that once like after a homework assignment he gave
1: <laughs> oh my god yeah I mean, which which quantum was it quantum one or quantum two? Oh,
0: this is like graduate quantum t- so
1: particle physics
0: No, it was like essentially like you have Griffiths, right? You take the Griffiths course. And so like I took the Griffiths stuff. And then it was like essentially the first half of Sakurai, which was our textbook we used. Got it. Yeah. Uh, And to me, like that was just, that was fine wine. Like, I mean, listen to him talk. He knew so much. Like I came to that place just like drunk off quantum mechanics. It was so good.
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, But it's interesting that we both, you know, said our hardest classes, you know, were kind of our favorite
1: To enjoy, uh,
0: yeah. Exactly. Um. Let's see. Okay. So we're gonna be. uh, Hey, Jojo, what's up? She says, "Can (laughs) y'all, can y'all yell at me to do my physics homework?" Um. Go to your physics homework. Go do your physics homework. I have sound effects. Now go do your physics homework.
1: What were the sound effects?
0: I, I, I pretty much just threw the book at her right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so everybody, you put in the chat. Is Fidel Castro my ex-boyfriend, Alameo? <laughs> I love that. I know.
1: I'm tapping my back with myself. The for that.
0: yeah, that's good stuff. Okay. So let's see. Um, okay. No more questions. Let's uh, call it right here. Um, five minutes under... Like I said, Serafina has Drunk Science tomorrow night.
1: Everyone, come tune in. It'll be lots of fun. Susanna Harris from PhD Balance and a badass bacteria plant researcher is going to join me. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: How drunk y'all going to get?
1: Extremely drunk. She sent me a picture of her liquor cabinet today. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, no, it's going down. It's going to be a lot. If y'all want like
0: a special Zoom cast once y'all are blasted.
1: Hell yeah. I hit will- me up. And I think we might have a special guest, so we might take another special guest. Yes. Well. <laughs> just keep
0: us all in and just let it be a complete <laughs> shit show. It's great. Yeah, no. Uh, no, yeah, that's going to be a great time. Um, but yeah, uh, if you haven't already subscribed to Serafina, uh, what are you all doing? Go ahead, go to her YouTube channel, give her a subscribe, give her all the thumbs up, which Thank she deserves. You. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's go ahead, call it here. Yeah. Um, Thanks so, so much
1: for having me on. This thank is
0: you for being here. Um, and I'm definitely going to tune in to Drunk Science tomorrow night. Uh, and it's been a pleasure. Uh, I always love hanging out with you. Um, when I came up to San Goodbye. Francisco, that was great. Uh, yeah, and I... I got bailed out by the COVID nineteen crisis about organizing a Twitter meetup for. Uh... I know
1: you did. You you got really lucky.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I mean? literally <laughs> was
1: thinking about that the other day. I was like, damn, Dylan, looked up.
0: No, I mean, like, I had it. I had everything planned out. I had like an Excel sheet and everything. <laughs> You know, but I mean, it just didn't work.
1: Alas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It just, you know, I was like, oh, hell, there's a pandemic. Don't worry.
1: Next year, it's
2: coming.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, Whenever social distancing, you know, doesn't become a thing or whenever people are allowed to meet up, there will be a meetup here in the L.A., um, greater L.A. area. uh, where We're all going to have a great time. Anybody who does physics is encouraged to come. Um, But unfortunately, we can't do that just yet. So, you know, make sure you stay home. Make sure you stay clean and definitely please wash your armpits. Um, (laughs) These are
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, these are the wise words coming at you from Dylan Berger and Serbian and Nance. So once again thank you so much Um, and uh, remember to stay inertial and to look up um, and to stay happy for at least an hour.